This morning we're going to continue in Matthew chapter 5. If you have your uh, Bible, you can read along with us. Last week we started talking about blessed living the upside down life. And we started by uh, looking at the Beatitudes, and we're going to continue going through the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes was this section of Jesus' great sermon that he gave in Matthew 5 through 7 called the Sermon on the Mount, which was quite literally a sermon on the side of a mountain. And so that's, I guess, how it got its name. But really, as you read the Sermon on the Mount, you'll discover that what Jesus was doing was he was proclaiming a new kingdom had come, a new way had come. And so when he got up and began to preach this sermon, it was countercultural in so many ways. And that's why we're calling this the blessed living, the upside down life, because it was beginning to teach them about a way that was opposite of what they had been taught and of what they knew. And so they were beginning to hear Jesus' teaching that were contrary from what the Pharisees might have told them or what society might have told them. You'll notice that Jesus, really, he just went in and he told the truth just like it was, and he wasn't afraid to do it. And that's what, it, that's what his life was about. And so it's began to kind of give us this upside-down perspective that in the kingdom of God, that it's oftentimes upside-down from the way the world might think or see things. And so Jesus gives us a different perspective about how to be blessed. I want to be blessed. How about you? I've discovered that as I've began to look into this, uh, this thing that I've been kind of studying and preparing for last week and this week, I began to notice that it's affected my prayer life because I've noticed that when I pray, God bless me in a different way as we talked last week about God's favor shining upon us. Uh, the Lord bless you and keep you. I've noticed that it's changing me. It's changing the meaning to me of what it means to be blessed. And I hope the same for you today. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 5 and verse 1 through 4. Reading again what we read last week. So seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is what we talked about last week, that blessed are those who are poor in spirit, those who absolutely inside of them, they have nothing. This was countercultural, right? It was not what the society was telling them. You don't hear, blessed are the poor, but that's what Jesus was telling them, poor in the spirit, the humble in spirit, the ones who are lowly in heart, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now you'll notice this shift here when we begin to read this next beatitude. Was you'll see that this is the really the poor in spirit. Will, it's in present tense about the blessing that theirs is the kingdom of heaven. But now he's going to begin to make a shift and say something different that is future tense. And he says, "Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted." Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. What an interesting thing for Jesus to say to this crowd of people. Blessed are people who cry, is what he said. Blessed are people who have sorrow. Blessed are people who are full of sadness. Blessed are those people, for they shall be comforted. What a, what a great promise from God's word as we're going to talk about this morning. That you can be somebody who mourns, but God promises his comfort. You know, mourning is this idea of, it's this express uh, of the way to express this feeling of sorrow or grief. 
Sorrow over loss. It might be a sorrow over a loved one. Or as we're going to talk about in a little bit, it might be sorrow over a situation or a loss in a situation. Mourning happens in many different ways, but it most certainly affects those when we lose people we love. If there's ever been a year in our lives that has taught us about mourning, it's been this year. We've learned about it. It's affected us, right? We watch the TV, we see the news, we see the, the loss of life. There's a sense of mourning that comes with that. And you know, I want to tell you something, that is natural. It's, it's a natural human response to feel a sense of sadness about the loss of life. That means you're human. That's a good thing. We've mourned not just the loss of life, but we've mourned the disruptions of our sense of normalcy. This whole pandemic has thrown our lives out of whack. It's caused us to mourn. And, and, and I've heard people say, I just want things to go back to the way they were before. I just want to be able to go to the grocery store like I used to. I just want to be able to hug my coworkers like I used to. I just want this sense of what used to be. There's this loss. Many of us may have actually mourned someone that's been affected by this global pandemic. It seems like the more and more as time goes by that it gets closer to home, that we hear of people in our own lives who have lost their life to this fight against COVID-19. Mourning is a natural human response to loss. And every human, every, listen to this, this is so important today. Every human feels sorrow at some point in their life. And you're going to notice here today as we begin to talk about uh, this beatitude and the rest of the beatitudes is that they build upon each other. That you cannot be somebody who mourns unless you're first poor in spirit. A proud person doesn't mourn. They're too proud to mourn. But somebody who is poor in spirit then opens themselves up to mourn. They begin to build upon each other. And you'll see this more and more as we go. Mourning is really this. This is, this is deep as one writer has said, that it's an expression of love, right? When you mourn, it's an expression of how we love something or how we love someone that we've lost. It's also proof that the person that has accepted the fact that their crisis is before them and wants to begin to handle it. Doctors tell us, psychiatrists tell us, that crying and weeping is a natural way to begin to process what is going on inside of us. It happens with us, all of us. And we begin to discover that with God's assistance, there is healing for the brokenhearted. And you're going to begin to hear today as we talk about blessed are those who mourn, that it's not somebody who just cries and never turns to the Lord, but blessed are those who mourn in dependence upon the Lord. Jesus really calls out the mourning for one big reason here. It's because those who mourned, if you think about Jesus in the context of Jerusalem, those who were mourning were probably those who were at the bottom of the social stratosphere, who didn't have what they needed. Maybe they were losing people to a sickness. Maybe they were mourning the way that they thought Jerusalem ought to be, but it had fallen so far away from it. But what Jesus does is powerful, is He steps onto the scene and He begins to affirm those who are mourning and promising them comfort. Now think about that for a moment. Here you are, you've been waiting, and all of a sudden you hear that there's this guy, he's the Messiah. He shows up and begins to promise you comfort. 
What kind of, what, what, how that might have soothed the soul. That was like a healing balm. What do you mean? I'm crying, I'm mourning, I'm missing something. But you're promising me comfort? It was a strange thing for Jesus to do. But Jesus could do it. Jesus could promise comfort to those who were mourning because of who he was and what he was about to experience. And really, we can say now what he experienced for us. We're going to talk about a few reasons why the mourning are blessed. Remember, we're not talking about blessed like the earthly terms as we discovered last week. We often associate being blessed with more money, more wealth, more this, more that. But in the kingdom of God, being blessed, as we discovered last week, is when God turns his face to us and puts his favor upon us, his grace upon us, and his peace upon us. So how is it in the kingdom of God that the morning are blessed? Number one, you're going to hear this, that the morning are blessed because God experienced mourning. God experienced mourning. You know, you can go through the Bible and realize that Jesus was someone who knew very well what it meant to express mourning, to express grief. As a matter of fact, Isaiah calls him that he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. At one point, some of the people looked at him in the New Testament and they said that he was like Jeremiah. Why would they have done that? Because Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. He was known as the one who lamented over Jerusalem because they had been brought into captivity. But Jesus was one who cried, he wept, he mourned, he expressed what he was dealing with as a way of showing what was happening on the inside. The Bible talks about him in the garden and said that he prayed with strong tears. The Bible talks about him in the shortest verse in the whole Bible in John eleven thirty five that Jesus wept at the tomb of his friend Lazarus. You'll notice this. It's that a lot of times Jesus never tried to escape the sorrows of life. He never tried to run away from them, nor did he deny that they existed. There's kind of this mindset that when mourning or when sorrow or grief hits that we say to each other, and I don't know why we say it to each other, we say, don't cry, it'll be all right. But the truth is, is that it's a natural part of healing. It is a biblical way of turning your emotions to the Father, just like Jesus did. He never tried to escape the sorrows of life. Instead, this is what is important, he transformed them. He went about it a different way. He took his mourning and he literally turned it into blessing. That's a, that's a miracle that you can take such pain and such sorrow and on the other side of it, it becomes blessing. God blesses, the mourning are blessed because God experienced mourning. Number two, the mourning are also blessed because God is near to the brokenhearted. Remember we talked last week that God puts his face to us when he wants to put, he puts, turns his face to us in a way of showing his favor upon us. But the Bible also teaches that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. You can be mourning, you can be grieving, you can be in sorrow, and you can be blessed because God is near to that person. What comfort knowing. This is what Jesus was trying to show them. And of course, they would have been reminded of that verse in Psalm 34, that blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. It was a way of promising them the words of the psalmist that God is near to those who are broken. Isn't that the best comfort when you're mourning? 
when you're grieving, when you're in sorrow, is knowing that there's just a sense of God's presence with you, a sense of knowing that God is on your side, a sense of knowing that there's a peace that you can't explain that has come over you. That's what the New Testament writer tried to tell the people, that there's a peace that surpasses our understanding. It doesn't make sense, but God brings it. The morning are blessed because God is near to the brokenhearted. I remember times in my life when I've lost a family member. And you know, you, uh, I'm not a person that typically expresses grief like some people. I'm pretty introverted in the way I express grief. But I remembered in the time of prayer when I had lost a family member and I noticed how God's presence just came near to me and how it comforted my soul and reminded me that He is with me. That's the greatest promise in the middle of mourning is that we are blessed because God is near. Thirdly, we'll see that the mourning are blessed because God hears the cries of the righteous. This is a powerful concept you're going to see here today as we begin to talk about this, is that when the righteous in the Bible cried for help, when the righteous were stuck in a place where they were hurting, when they were in a bad situation, where they were in trouble, and they were grieving in heart, and the Bible says that they begin to cry for help, the Bible teaches us that God hears the cries of the righteous. There's something about when the righteous begin to cry out to God in desperation. There's something about when the righteous begin to say in a way that is so deep and passionate for the Father that says, God, I'm in the midst middle of something that is painful and I need you, that God turns his ear to that and responds to it. You know, as I wanted to begin to kind of put a little bit more help into this, and I began to discover as I was going through the Bible, I had no idea that there was example after example, example after example in the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, how the righteous were in a bad predicament, and they began to cry for help, and how God listened to their prayer. As we talked about on Wednesday, there's over 400 recorded answered prayers in the Bible. And many of them were often when the righteous began to cry for help. Maybe it was Joshua that was stuck in a battle and didn't know what to do and prayed, God, make this sun stand still. That's the only way out. And surely God heard the cry of the righteous. Maybe it was Moses that walked up to the edge of the Red Sea and said, how in the world are we going to get across here? And he cried out and God parted the Red Sea and made a way. This is a powerful principle that I believe that if all of us could grab this in our life, it will change the way we will live because we will really discover a blessed living that is beyond just this worldly idea of being blessed. You'll begin to discover that if you can understand what it means to be the person who cries to the Lord, the righteous cry to the Lord for help, that there is a new level of God opening up the windows of heaven and blessing our lives like never before. Many times we, we, we don't discover God's blessing for our lives because we don't ask Him. We don't cry out to Him. But this is a powerful principle that when we get into trouble, when we are mourning, when we are grieving, if we'll just turn our hearts to the Father and begin to cry to Him, God will hear us and hear our cry. Revelation teaches us about the bowls in heaven that are filled with the tears of the saints, that he, the prayers of the saints, that he's waiting to, for a certain moment to answer them. This teaches us something powerful, that God hears the cry of the righteous.
I want to teach you a little bit more about this. That there is, in the Bible, we see this two types of sorrow. Well, there are two main areas of sorrow. We see natural sorrow and godly sorrow. Natural sorrow is what we all experience, right? When we lose someone, when we, well, there's a big loss in our life. Maybe you've received devastating news. There's that sense of natural sorrow. But the Bible also shows us something that is really interesting. It's called godly sorrow. And this was the type of sorrow that we, when we talked about Jeremiah, that Jeremiah experienced. That Jeremiah, uh, that he, he didn't lose anyone in his life per se, but he was experiencing godly sorrow over Jerusalem. Because all of the people had been taken into captivity and he looked over the land and he saw what they were supposed to be, but that he saw the devastation and the ruins were before them. This type of godly sorrow was not uncommon for many of the major prophets and minor prophets. Many of them expressed this kind of anguish and grief when God put it in their hearts as they began to tell the people, please come back to God. And they wouldn't listen. They wouldn't respond. There was this sense of sorrow that began to rise up in them. You see, godly sorrow is the one who is experiencing a loss of something, but trust in God to satisfy their needs. Just like Jesus, Jesus wept over Jerusalem. He looked across that place and he said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I wanted to put you under my wings, but you wouldn't let me. There was this sense of pouring out their souls before the Father on behalf of someone else. They did the same as to Jesus. Mary and Martha came, they were began to run to Jesus and began to cry over him. And Jesus told them, Don't weep over me. Weep over the people around you. Weep over this city and see the destruction. See what's happened around you. Really, godly sorrow is never this self-pity. It's never looking within and experiencing the sorrow that is going on. It's a sorrow for others. It's a grieving for what should be, but is not. It's a grieving for perhaps maybe there needs to be transformation that hasn't come in somebody's life that you know. Maybe someone you know is away from the Lord and it's a sorrow because you see in their soul that they are on a path that is leading to destruction, but you're you're passionate, you're pleading before the Lord to bring them back. It's this type of passionate, desperate prayer that says, God, we need you. And if you don't come through, then we have no other alternative. You see, if Jesus went to the garden and he poured out his soul to the Father, this teaches us something powerful, that you and I can do the same. There is no more beautiful prayer, in my opinion, in the Bible or in life in general when someone just comes before the Father and just pours out their soul. They take everything that's inside of them and they say, okay, God, here it is. That's the cry of the righteous. That's what God is talking about when he said he hears the cry of the righteous. It's that taking everything that's going on and dumping it before the Father. That's what the psalmist did. That's what the prophets did. Over and over again, we learned this pattern of taking that experience of loss and bringing it to the Father. But as we talked about earlier, sorrow, the the thing that makes sorrow being blessed is it's intended to be transformational. That Jesus intended, as the Bible often talks about, to turn our weeping into joy in the morning. To turn our mourning into gladness. To turn that pain into praise, in other words. To take a shift from what we're experiencing and making it something better. 
And Jesus intended to make this happen in all of our lives. We talked about how this begins to build upon each other. That the poor in spirit, that's the first step. Then you can be blessed as you begin to mourn because you've humbled your soul. But notice this, that when we begin to mourn in our lives, mourning is often the beginning. Grieving and sorrow is often the beginnings of miracles in our lives. Because listen, God promises us that he hears the cry of the righteous. So if we get to the place where, yes, we're poor in spirit, now we're mourning, and now we're turning that cry to the Father, it promises us something powerful that God is ready to answer that prayer. God will hear that prayer, and he promises us that we shall be comforted. This is a promise from God's word, and I want to encourage you today that if you are experiencing loss in your life, Maybe you're grieving or you're experiencing pain over something else. Maybe you've lost someone recently in your life. The Bible gives you a basic promise from His Word that you can take it to the Father and say, Lord, you said blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. You can take that to God and say, Lord, now I want to experience the comfort. I want to experience the healing. I want to experience, yes, I'm mourning, but yes, I want to experience the transformation of taking that difficulty into something beautiful, that mourning into miracle. There was something in the Bible, there was a a man in the Bible who learned this more than all the others, and we're going to look at his prayer here. And the musicians are going to come, we're going to begin to close and wrap up with this. But you'll notice this as we look at this next gentleman, that It's this sort of godly discontent. You know what that means, godly discontent? That means that when when you're experiencing godly sorrow, you're discontent. You're you're not satisfied with the way it is. It's, It's that kind of heart that says, I want more of the Father. I want to see God's kingdom come. I want to see God's will be done. It's this longing for something more that is not yet present. And there was a man in the Bible whose prayer is recorded, and I believe it's had, uh, many people have dissected it over the years, but it's a powerful prayer, and it's, it's often been called a prayer, the prayer of Jabez, as you read in First Chronicles. But today I'm going to call it something different. I'm going to call it the blessing of Jabez, because the prayer that he prayed is a blessing that is available for you and I. As we talked about last week, the, the Moses began to pray over the people. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. That was the prayer that God showed us His favor, His grace upon us. But here in this blessing of Jabez, we're going to see how God hears the mourning. How God hears and responds to those who are in pain and those who are in suffering. The Bible says about Jabez that he was more honorable than his brothers. But his mother named him Jabez saying, I gave birth to him in pain. So Jabez got his name because of pain. Jabez got his name because of suffering. But then the Bible says that Jabez, he cried out to the God of Israel. He cried out to God. And this is what he prayed. Here's his prayer. Here's somebody who's mourning. Here's the one who's blessed are the mourning. Blessed are those that mourn. And he prayed this, Oh God, that you would bless me. Enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm. 
so that I will be from free from pain. This was his blessing. You'll see here his prayer became a shift that he took his pain and he made it a cry for blessedness. Jabez learned how to make a painful situation into blessing. He became desperate for God's blessing upon his life and he turned it into a prayer for God to bless him. And the Bible records something that I just love, this little sentence, one of my favorite sentences in all the Bible that goes right after his prayer that said this, and God granted his request. What an encouraging thing that somebody who cries to the Lord, someone who is mourning and experiencing pain, can turn that prayer up to the Father and say, God, will you bless me, enlarge my territory, let your hand be with me, and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God answered his request. The promise of God to all of us today is that he will comfort those that mourn. Maybe you're yearning for something more in your life. Maybe you've got a passion in your heart. You've been grieving over, God, I want to see this. Somebody you've been praying for, a family member, a situation. There's this sense of cry. I want to encourage you to take that cry and turn it into blessing. God, bless me. Keep me. Protect me. Watch over me. And God promises us that he will hear that cry. Isn't that encouraging today? God will bless those that mourn and they shall be comforted. I may not need it today. There's going to come a day when I'm going to need God's comfort. It's going to be a comfort that I can't explain. It's deeper. It's, it's, more, it's, it's, it's beyond what anybody could tell me. It comes from the Father today. Will you stand with me this morning? This morning, I want to pray with you today. You're watching online. You're here in person. You're experiencing loss in your life. Uh, I don't know what you need, but I know the Lord, and he can comfort you. He can be with you and strengthen you. Maybe you're here today, and you're wrestling over a godly sorrow, something beyond a natural sorrow, but something that the Lord has put in your heart. You're praying, God, oh, it's just burdening my heart. I want to encourage you today to be like Jabez. Open up your heart to the Father and say, Oh, Lord, that you would bless them. Oh, God, that you would watch them. I made it this week. My, in my journal, I said, these are my prayers for ANC. I said, Lord, first I pray that the Lord would bless us and keep us, that the Lord would make his face shine upon us and be gracious to us, that the Lord would lift up his countenance and give us peace, all of us here today. Then I made my prayer this. Lord, I'm going to put this prayer. We're going to just keep a record of prayers before the Lord. And I'm going to hold it to the Father and say, Lord, I'm praying today that you would bless us. Enlarge our territory. Let your hand be with us here. And keep us from harm so that we will be free from pain. And then when I come back in a few weeks, Lord, I want to be able to write after Jabez, same thing as after Jabez's prayer. And God heard our plea. Don't you want that today? I want that testimony. That every need we have today, we God just answered it and took care of it. You're here this morning. You have some need in your life. Would you raise your hand today? Everyone close your eyes. We're going to bring them to the Father this morning. The choir is going to come for a few minutes. And I want to encourage you right where you're at just to call upon the Lord. Remember, the Lord hears the cry of the righteous. He hears your plea. 
So if you'll just tell him today what's going on, you'll pour out your soul to the Father that God promises he is near to the brokenhearted today. Lord, today I want to pray for my friends who are experiencing pain in their lives. They're experiencing loss. They're experiencing suffering today. That God, they would experience the comfort that you promised us, Lord. That God, you, they would experience the covering that comes like Jabez prayed, God. Lord, enlarge our territory. Keep us from harm. Father, today I pray for healing that is in your wings today, Lord. God, I thank you for the promise that you are near to the brokenhearted. For those that are here today and they're broken, they're watching online, they're broken today. I pray for the comfort that only you can give, God. Lord, I pray for the comfort that only comes from your presence today. Jesus, we need you, Lord. God, today we pray also a godly sorrow, Lord. For our community today, we cry out, Lord, save our community. Rescue our city, Lord. Bring them back to you, Father God. Lord, it makes our, it's our burden today, God. And we pray this prayer over them, God, that you would bless them and keep them from harm, Lord. Make your face shine upon them today. And God, we thank you today. We welcome you this morning in Jesus' name. This morning, you need to pray. Feel free to kneel at your seat today. Sit, lift your hands while the choir sings. But take a moment, cry, cry out to the Lord. Let Him know what you're dealing with today. Let's sing this morning and pray.